You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Not that I know of. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know of anybody that has asked us, you know, for that. Um, but look, you know, name, image, and likeness is not really name, image, and likeness. I mean, I think we all understand what it's become and, and what we allowed it to become. And I said long ago and got very criticized for, is this what we want college football to become? So it's becoming what it's becoming, and, and that's okay. I mean, we'll just adapt and do what we have to do to be able to compete, uh, whatever the circumstances are. So um, do I think that it would be uh, judicious to have some guardrails on some things? Uh, I think you can figure that one out just as well as anybody else. There you have it. Nick Saban making his point on NIL as he addressed the media yesterday afternoon following practice. Alabama, of course, traveling to Starkville, Mississippi for an 8 o'clock kickoff this Saturday night. Hey, it's Matt, it's Lars, it's Justin, and a lawnmower, and we welcome everybody into the show. And Nick has made it very clear from the get-go that he wasn't really, really fond of this NIL. But he said he would adapt and play through it. So that's what he's doing. A collective has been set up. But you can just tell in the tone of his voice, Lars, he still doesn't like it. He'd rather it be left behind. Yeah, it's uh, clearly it's a it's pay for play. That's what it's it is. Not it's not NIL. It's not NIL. No. I mean, and so last week, uh, the House Committee on Small Businesses held a hearing uh, to discuss this issue. And uh, in a document posted on the committee's website, Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director, said that players are asking for $5,000 just to visit. And that's become common. $5,000 just to visit. And Yeah. And so... And this, um, you know, the NCAA has been pushing for federal name, image, and likeness legislation in Washington for for some time. But last week's hearing, again, at the House Committee on Small Businesses, it was supposed to be another step in the process. But talks broke down on so many different topics multiple times between uh, between congressmen and congresswomen. I mean, the, the, the Kentucky uh, representative, John McGarvey, he's, he raised the question of, does the NCA even need help? His direct quote was, is the NCA so inept right now that this Where is, is something... Living? Well, in Kentucky. He's living in Kentucky. Uh, no, his quote is, is this, is, is the NCAA so inept right now that this is something Congress must legislate? What is he doing on the committee if he doesn't know that answer? I mean, that is, it's just ridiculous. And th- this is the problem. This is the problem. I mean, th- th- look, it's representative democracy. Democracy, it never goes fast, right? Uh, the, uh, the crafting of legislation, the passing of bills, of laws, it is messy, it is sloppy, it is slow. Corrupt. And uh, yeah, absolutely, with all the different uh, PAC money and, and yes, it's absolutely corrupt. 
Um, and that's just the, the way it is. I mean, I mean, our government, the way it's really formed is uh, to be an incrementalist legislative body, meaning incrementalism. You, you move very, very slow. To get anything radical passed is, is nearly impossible unless, unless Congress is responding to something, to a grave national situation. And, you know, to us sports fans, this is pretty important, but in the grand, in the grand scheme of things, it's not important. And, you know, what, what a, uh, a, a, a representative say from Texas, where it's just, you know, a bottomless pit of money for these players, why would he want to advocate for guardrails? Because his fans, the fans of Texas, which, who are the voters of Texas, they don't want that. Yeah. His constituents, yeah, absolutely. And so it, it will be unpopular in some places. And it's, uh, so I don't know. I mean, this is just a, a, a one tiny little meeting of a subcommittee in the House. <laughs> and they, by the way, trying to keep the government afloat. Uh, yes, yes. So, I mean, you, you uh, see it, how that ranks in priority. And I think I, I'm sure that that's what I'm sure that's what John McGarvey, the the Kentucky representative, was saying, or what he was trying to say is, we got bigger fish to fry than this. We're, we're, are we really going to waste our time trying to figure this mess out when the NCAA should do it? But the problem is the NCA has no leadership. I mean, hey, I know I, it's a it's a the NCA is a, a broken concept, a broken institution. And so uh, it's I just Matt, I don't see how this is going to be resolved in the next few years. I really well, don't. What they've done with this meeting is they've taken one step forward and eight steps back, you know. They made no progress. In fact, they put it in reverse. Yeah. And as much as we love college football, it is a very small fish here in all the things that our government, our nation, our, our citizens are having to deal with. But I got to backtrack because I've made this statement many times before to players demanding $5,000 just to put their cleat on campus. I have always maintained and thought it was in place that players could not receive a nickel until they sign. And if they are getting money to visit, what do you go to five places? You make 25K the next month, yeah. you go to two or three more. You can't do that. And the NCAA can stop that because the players should never receive any money until they're under a student athlete. Oh, do you remember the, the remember the law in Missouri that we talked about that they passed? Oh, yeah. if, if a kid in Missouri commits to Missouri, say when he's a sophomore, he can start receiving NIL money as a sophomore in high school. But it has to be a kid from Missouri and only if he goes to Missouri. So they're incentivizing 16-year-olds to go to Missouri. And make money. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? If you're a, a, a stud quarterback and you're 15 years old, and Missouri offers you, and you're from uh, you know St. Louis, I, could you blame them for taking 500 thousand a year? I mean, no. Are they old enough to make that decision? Were you old enough? Yeah, you were. You, you've been. You're a money guy. Um, but I don't think I was old enough or mature enough to handle half a million dollars when I was. No, no. I mean, no. My it would have. My father would have 
<laughs> taken yeah. care of that as yours well, as your father would have too. That should not be an option. And the last time I brought this point up was when we talked about the Missouri deal. Is uh, until they're on campus and taking classes, they shouldn't get any quote NIL money. Um, and, yeah. and as far as getting guardrails after this subcommittee meeting that you were talking about. I don't see that in my lifetime, to be honest with you. And I'm, you no. know, I probably don't have as much left as a lot of people do, but I don't think it's happening. Here is something, though, that someone brought up uh, when this NIL stuff first started getting chaotic. When Saturday night at 8 o'clock, you turn on the TV or you're in Starkville or you're at one of the many fabulous college football sites across our fabulous uh, nation... Do you think about it? No. Do you still love it? Yes. You know, it's our passion. And 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 and, and last last week was just such a great college college football Saturday. weekend. You're Saturday right. was incredible, yeah. incredible. Florida State, Clemson going to overtime. A key key game in Tuscaloosa. Ohio State, Notre Dame coming to the last play of the game from the one-yard line. And they, Notre Dame wins by, or excuse me, Ohio State wins by about an inch. Love I mean, just uh, uh, Colorado getting thumped by Oregon. Bo Nix, you know, just now just absolutely playing the best football of his life. Goes on and on. Uh, yeah, just, uh, but, you know, I was just trying to think. Has so based on on field performance, is there one team right now that is really benefiting from that? that it, so it seems to be a bit of an outlier that's in the top ten. I mean, maybe Texas, but yeah. but but Texas, you, you figured that Sark was going to get Texas going anyway, and I think you could make the argument just based on recruiting rankings that. It hasn't really impacted Alabama. I mean, Nick Saban, uh, he said uh, that uh, in, in that in, in for the 2020 in July 22, he said that Alabama players made three million dollars via NIL. So as a little over a year ago, but that seems like a really small number now, a really small number. I mean, I I could envision some programs paying up to what fifteen million a year. You know, if they're not already, <laughs> it's, and the, it's crazy. And the thing is, there's no way to uh, get the information. You can't put out a FOIA request as a reporter and and force a private entity to turn over their tax records. You know, you can do that with a university because it's a public. But but these uh, collectives are private, so it, it's all going on behind closed doors. It's a big pile of coat hangers, and I don't know if we can ever get them all in the closet. It's just it's hard to understand. But again, we still love our college football. All right, speaking of football, let's talk pro football when we get back. A, a pretty uh, big piece of news is coming out of not the NFL, but the other pro leagues. And we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. By the way, you're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. 
100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 88. Clear tonight, the low 64. Tomorrow is sunny day, the high 87. And for the weekend, we stay warm and dry, sunny Saturday and Sunday. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is oh. Big Noon Sports. <laughs> Matt Coulter, Lawrence Anderson. Just had uh, a thought. I just had a thought. Okay? Caught on air, yeah. Obviously, but you need to share it. I mean, it's, it's, as long as you shared it with everybody else now. Uh, what? Um, is there, or is it something? Never mind. Never mind. Hey, listen. Something about you, you. What you and I were just discussing uh, off air. Uh, okay. Sorry well, about uh, that. Yeah. Uh, USFL XFL. It's done. It. We've been hearing this, and I think once they started talking about it, I pretty much felt like it was gonna happen. Just setting up the parameters was gonna be the main focus. So they've announced it, but they didn't give us any of the parameters. Which, of course, if you're listening to Big Noon Sports, based in the state of Alabama, you got to think that the Birmingham Stallions would be 1A one, and 1B. One I mean, they've won back-to-back XFL championships, USFL championships, and I think they'd be first up. But I really don't know how they're going to divide these teams up. But I, did, I do know this. If you're coming out of the USFL, the Stallions have got to be there. And out of the XFL, St. Louis has got to be there. Did you know St. Louis drew like 30,000 people per game? That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, AJ McCarron was there, so maybe that had a lot to do with it. And um, all right, so just to like review here, uh, the, the new USFL has been playing for two seasons. Last year, all of the teams were based in Birmingham. And the USFL played its second season with eight teams in four hub cities, uh, Detroit, Canton, Ohio, Michigan, or Memphis, and Birmingham. Now, the reason that they were in those cities is because those cities do the best job of supporting the teams. So you would think, at, at minimum, uh, Detroit, Canton, Ohio, Memphis, Tennessee, and Birmingham will have uh, teams in this new league. I, I think it's it's absolutely you can almost write it in stone that Birmingham is going to have a team in this league, just yeah, because of how. So. I mean, I, I would even think that if the NFL were ever to add two more teams, I think Birmingham would have to get consideration. Really, uh, I really think so. Just because, look, week in and week out. You look at the, the 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 TV ratings. I mean, Birmingham is number one or number two every single week for college football, and oh, yeah, college. And, yeah, and, and and it's right there with the NFL too. It's not quite as high. Um, and so the XFL came back for its uh, third incarnation in 2023 with teams in eight different cities: Arlington, Texas; Houston, Texas. Las Vegas, Orlando, San Antonio, Seattle, St. Louis, and Washington. I think of those, you think either Arlington or Houston, probably Houston. Uh, I think I think Vegas, Orlando, probably not San Antonio. 
you'd you'd want the the Pacific Northwest presence. So I think Seattle and I think St. Louis and Washington. Um, we'll, we'll see. And then another big question is: Will these teams be affiliated with NFL teams the same way NFL Europe was? NFL Europe, you could uh, if you were affiliated, say, with the Scottish Claymores you could send up to i think six guys to play on the on the claymores during the spring which is what nfl when nfl europe played and uh and then it just be a way for them to improve and you had quarterbacks like kurt warner um and, and several others who really uh, they're, they're, they rapidly developed in the in, in NFL Europe because they got live playing time. It's hard to develop, it sort of, especially if you're a late blooming sort of quarterback like Kurt Warner was. Um, if you, it's hard to develop if you're not playing, and so it be, really became what NFL Europe ultimately became was a, a, a developmental league, almost just for for quarterbacks. But a lot of good players. Uh, we're talking Pro Bowl caliber players, guys who made the Pro Bowl and even became All Pro in some cases. Uh, went from NFL, came from NFL Europe, and so I'm guessing that that's what is going to happen, right? And these are practice squad players. Uh, these are guys just at the very at the lower end of the roster, right? They're 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 guys like you know, uh, say forty to to you know 53. I think. 50, yeah, well, that's on the active, and now the practice squads have expanded. So I, I think back, I think practice squads are now like sixteen or something. So it would be like forty-two to, you know, sixty or whatever, or sixty-five. Those would be the, where you'd pick the group of players to come from. But the thing is, if you're like a defensive lineman or an O lineman, uh, or you know, or, or somebody where you're making a lot of hits all the time, it'd be tough to play in the spring on your body and then go straight into uh, NFL training camp. And that's essentially what they're gonna be doing. But uh, I would suspect, again, just based on my own experience, right? As I embedded for a, a season with the Scottish Claymores over in Glasgow, that, um, that the NFL is probably gonna be behind this in some capacity. And then they would set up again, sort of it's like a, basically like a, it'd be like a farm league right yeah. uh, a farm system which yeah, which i think the nfl needs um i do too and i think that both these leagues have proven that there is a want for spring football matter of fact we proved that 40 years ago in birmingham alabama anyway but uh, i like it i think it's a slam dunk for birmingham and you know we could pick a few other cities that i think will maintain their professional football team but I think it's a great idea, and Birmingham really got behind their Stallions, and uh, boy, did the Stallions get behind Birmingham. I mean, they won two. The first two championships came back to Birmingham. I, don't, I thought that was very, very cool. And we'll see what happens moving forward. Do you just think real quick, how many teams, not where, but how many teams will this league make up? Hmm. Well... If it's going to be affiliated, if the NFL is going to be involved, the, the perfect number would be 16 because there's 32 NFL teams. Yeah. Then two NFL teams could be tied to one 
uh, team in this league. Do we know? Do, do they say what it's going to be called? I don't think they have. No, but uh, I really I've think seen because the, uh, of its branding, it should it should stay USFL. What's that, Justin? I, from what I've been seeing around, I don't know if this is official or not. I've not verified it, but National Spring Football League, so NSFL. Well, okay, so that leads me to believe that the NFL is going to be behind it. Well, the NFL has been loosely related to both of these. Leagues. Well, that, that's definitely it. Then, like, yeah. look, if it, that's it, it's NFL, with putting a, a S in there, you know. So, it, it, NFL. I, I'm surprised that that hasn't leaked out yet. I think a At lot least of people I, were I, taking I guesses, and that just fit. But I'm, yeah. uh, I'm reading now that that a lot of people are making that assumption as NSFL. And the name National Spring Football League have recently been trademarked, um, so people are assuming. Uh -huh. Well, that would <laughs> that would pretty much tell you what the name's going to be, wouldn't it? If they've applied for a trademark on it, I would think that would slam dunk it. But uh, NSFL, do you like the sound of that? Yeah, I do. I, I kind of do too, but. I don't know. I haven't seen this in any type of copyright document or anything like that. Not that it would be. Uh, you know how... I don't uh, think they need to have the 16 teams. I just think that's too many. I would take half of them. I would take eight and then grow... And then have three. Yeah. And then if you did eight, then three... Four teams. Th three... Uh, yeah, sorry, man, my, my math is really good. To, uh, but I, I impressed you with my math yesterday. I did, I did some complicated math in my head. And, and, and uh, it wasn't just the fact <laughs> that you did it in your head. It was incredibly <laughs> fast. <laughs> and Lars and I were at our, our favorite little place, Baumhauer's in Vestavia. Um, he just rattled off this math. I don't even remember what it was. I know. It, I mean, it was it like uh, decimal points. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, like I was possessed there. It was, it was my Rain Man moment, and that's yeah. that's about it. <laughs> you used it up because by the way, yeah. times eight is thirty-two. Uh, no, like, you know, whenever uh, <laughs> whenever I'm facing a problem, like I just have no solution to. I'm like, it feels like I'm back in algebra three class, right? Or geometry, not geometry, algebra, like second level algebra, algebra three, four, because I just absolutely cannot do math to save my life. I mean, I, you know, it's like you're either a math person or a word person, and I'm obviously a word person. So well, I, 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 I am just terrible at math. I am terrible at math. Lack of <laughs> well, as people know, my father was literally a rocket scientist, and C's were not allowed, much less B's in math. Yeah. But my mother was a linguist, so I, you know, I kind of got the best, best of both worlds. I don't know how I, I worked out with them, but <laughs> I think it's been okay for me. Hey, yeah. we're talking to Mick next. That's right. Mick Gillespie is going to be uh, joining us here in just a few minutes. Hey, remember now our promotion here on Tide 100.9 there in Tuscaloosa. I know we're on in East Alabama, too. But the code number this hour is 235. That means you go to the Tide 100.9 app. You enter that code. And who knows, you might win 30K. Yes, $30,000. Again, that code is 235, and you're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Hades Hansing, Union Home Mortgage. For more Big Noon Sports, coming up.
Justin Jones is the producer of this fine program. And um, Lars, just quick off camera moment, off mic moment. My cat yeah. just spilled an entire glass of water all over the kitchen floor. <laughs> what's what's your cat? What's your what's your cat's name again? Henry. Henry. After Aaron. Um. Anyway, that's a good thing to bring Mick in because he's a baseball guy. Mick Gillespie joins us on Big Noon Sports. Hey, Mick. Uh, I'm a, I'm an Aaron guy. I always have been in my life. Uh, is he rank up there with you two? He might have been just a tad before your time. I don't remember. Uh, you know what? I love Hank Aaron. I, one of the um, pieces of memorabilia that I ruined as a kid was uh, I got a Hank Aaron uh, giveaway bat. that was like a full-size bat from a Braves game. All the signatures of the Braves that were on the team when he broke the record. And, of course, I used it in a baseball game. And, it, it, it got broken and ruined, but um, he's great. I mean, like to, to be that consistent for that long, all the home runs um, for all those years, not use uh, steroids. Yeah, I, I love him, and I and I hate it when the, the Southern League left Mobile because part of the stadium down there, Hank Aaron Stadium, which was named after him, uh, was his childhood home. And you know, his brother played in the big league too. So they had a lot of their memorabilia in there. And he's a big part of our state's history, too. You know, very proud of Hank Aaron and everything that he went through, uh, what he meant to the game, and, and just what he meant to our country. So, yeah, I, I love it. Mick, uh, I read this story this morning and immediately thought of you. Uh, last night, Braves beat the Cubs in 10 innings, 6-5. to five. Uh, game-winning run was uh, preceded by a stolen base by Ronald Acuna Jr., put him in scoring position, and it was historic. It was his 70th stolen base of the season, making him the only player in Major League Baseball history to compile 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases in a single year. So this milestone compelled the Braves to stop the game allowed Acuna to receive an ovation from the fans, and he, he was able to get uh, the second base, uh, you know, un unhinge it from the ground and keep it, and then a montage of highlights. And here's where the controversy comes in. <laughs> the Cubs broadcasters, uh, uh, John Scamby, is that right, and Jim uh, Deshaies, they did not think that that in-game celebration was appropriate. And uh, one of them said, we're really stopping the game to do a highlight montage? So I, the ball is in your court. Uh, what do you think? Especially since he's yeah, a Cubs yeah. guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, also, uh, and I should say this, uh, you know, I interviewed for the job that John Schomp had. And uh, also, for Cubs fans, a shameless plug on YouTube, Cubs baseball channel. I'm on there every day, including today with videos. The reason why this one really was painful for us is that the Cubs need this game. They're in the wild card race. They're tied with the Marlins, but they don't win the tiebreaker, so they'd be out of the playoffs. We've, we've, we've blown back-to-back -back games against the Braves, and, and these are games that are crucial. Uh, and the Cubs made some trades at the deadline that are going to come back and hurt them. And if they don't make the playoffs, those trades were, were for, for nothing. So, you know, you're talking about rental guys. and You're giving up uh, Nelson Velazquez, who's on a home run pace like Mark McGuire right now with uh, the Royals. And then uh, DJ Hers, you don't know him yet, but you will. He'll be one of the starters in the rotation for the Nationals. So it wasn't a good trade. 
unless you make the playoffs. But, uh, you know, I, I, I saw the game. Um, we're blacked out, so I didn't get to listen to the Cubs like I normally do to be able to hear uh, John and, and, and J.D. I've worked with J.D. a long time, and I've known John a long time. I, I think it's, a lot of it had to do with that. Now, the baseball fan in me, you know, I grew up in Baltimore, I thought it was awesome when Cal Ripken Jr. had his historic moment. And we've always, you know, stopped the game and recognized big, big moments that we may never see again. You know, passing Lou Gehrig when Pete Rose got the, you know, the all-time hit record, stopped the game, his parents are there. This is one of those records that Acuna's got. I don't think people are realize how significant it is right now. I think in about, you know, 25 years, you're like, you know, there was a guy who did this and this and this, unless this becomes something that's more of the regular. And, you know, the, the whole thing with the baseball is being a little juice now. But um, I, I just feel like for the Cubs broadcast, which I would say our broadcast being a Cubs guy, uh, they were just worried about the, the time – that we weren't out there playing, and then of course we lost the game immediately. You know, so I'm sure that 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 had to do something. Maybe they could have waited until after the game. I, I don't know, but I, I see it both ways, kind of. I know, I feel like that's a, a political answer, but um, but that's just how I feel. Well, I tell you what, Mick. You know, this is a topic right in our ball yard. I don't like it. I'm a Braves fan. But the Cubs, like you said, the, the big difference here is playoffs, man. They're trying to make the darn playoffs, and you're going to take 15 minutes out of a game that's tied? I don't like it. I wouldn't like it, you know, and I'm a huge Atlanta Braves fan. But do it after the game, or, you know. And I understand this is a significant accomplishment. 70-40, 40-70 if you go home runs to stolen bases. That's a big deal. But sometimes, Mick, I feel like baseball and other sports included just find things to sell. I mean, how many extra base hit hits has um, Mazuna had on Sundays where there was a full moon the night before? He now leads the league in that. It, I know that's a very bizarre example. But <laughs> right. I, I think that sometimes we just stretch these records and baseball is a stat sport, but they've gone way too crazy. Hey, somebody explain yeah. OBS to me. On yeah, base right. percentage, you know, I, got I know, but uh, yeah. what's the new one that combines your mother's age plus stolen bases and then sacrifice <laughs> flies? <laughs> I started the, the Cubs baseball channel because I wanted to, um, Basically, not discredit analytics, but I, I wanted to talk about the game without being so heavily reliant on on analytics. And one of the guys who's on there with me, Tim Wilkins, was scouting director for the Cubs in Arizona, like special assistant there, Tampa Bay, years with the Blue Jays. And, and he's kind of been part of this movement in baseball where these guys have kind of been pushed out of the game. And I, I just think that the, the, this analytics craze, and you're talking about it, kind of, you know, the statistical part of it, where we're going to make up a stat that's like total bases and slugging percentage and average and on-base percentage, and here's a stat, you know, and it's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to stick with um, average home runs and RBIs. You know, that's kind of what I what I like, stolen bases. So I, I'm with you on that. And, um, yes, the, the, the stopping the game, 
with an extra innings. I mean, I, it, they could have waited until, you know, one more batter, and they probably could have just done it then, <laughs> the way the things turned out. But I, I don't know. Just, the Braves are having a historic run right now. This is the best. This is the golden age of Braves baseball. And, um, you know, maybe they really don't care what the Cubs think. Uh, Mick, uh, let's switch sports here and uh, move to Tuscaloosa. What was your takeaway from Alabama's 24-10 victory over Ole Miss on Saturday? Well, we, we looked like Alabama football. I, I saw the beginning of our identity, the one that we lost. When they were figuring it out, I hope. I mean, it was only a half of football, but it was the type of football that I love defense, tackling, the secondary lockdown, uh, the, the, the very talented Ole Miss wide receivers, Jackson Dart, being rushed a lot on defense. Uh, after the first half where Jalen Milrow uh, struggled a little bit, he, he, he found an identity. Hey, I'm just going to you know try to manage the game, take my shots when they're there. The offensive line run block, and it was, uh, it was a, a, the type of Alabama win when they were like, you know, basically just falling over Ole Miss in the fourth quarter that we've been waiting for. There's still some issues. First off, Milrow, you can't make the interception. But to me, and, and this is so weird to talk about, but the biggest problem I have is with Seth McLaughlin and the bad snap. And if it's something that he can't get together, then maybe, you know, Brockermeyer can come in and snap the ball. Maybe you lose experience. And maybe you lose the other things that, McLaughlin does, but as a quarterback, which I do a show, you guys, I talk about it every week on Roll Tide Pods, Ellison in the Room. The Room's my studio. It's Jake Coker. You know, he's like, hey, Jimbo Fisher's like, he said he said it over and over. You, you can't drive a car with your head down and you can't quarterback with your head down. But when the snaps are either keeping your head down or when you're in the goal line and the guy's snapping it over your head, it's hard to win football games like that. And so I think that's something one way or the other has to be corrected. So if it's a Chuck Knobloch thing or, you know, he's got the yips, the next guy, next man up, we've got to be as we, we've got to make every single position on the field one that if you're not getting it done, someone else is coming in. And for Milrow, seeing some big improvement, but the snaps have to get better. And then the other concern was, uh, you know, Deontay Lawson going down on defense, big linebacker, a, a, just a, a really smart player helps everybody get in position. But Jaheed Campbell and, and Trez Marshall came over for this. You know, he wasn't getting on the field with Georgia. I didn't really notice the difference in that game. Uh, that could be different this week because as a guy who's had a high ankle sprain, it feels like a broken leg. And I, I don't think he's going to be back, even with all the modern technology for, for a few weeks at least. And so those guys are going to have to step up, but I believe they will. Can you hang on? Sure. Uh, I want to talk defense because, man, that is something you can talk about for the length of the show and then some because uh, they they really have played well most of the year. All right. uh, We are bringing you Big Noon Sports. Hey, don't forget tomorrow our show is uh, live from Innisfree. You ever been there, Mick? <laughs> oh yeah, like they 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 keep my England cold on ice. Yeah, it's um a great Irish pub right there in Tuscaloosa. So make sure and join us tomorrow for a beer and some lunch. In the meantime, let's take a break and get back 
talk about Kool-Aid and others on Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. Hey, everybody, it's Gary Harris. Coming up Friday, it's a TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m. We'll have Adam Amin from Fox Sports. Also, of course, we'll have our Bama football trivia giveaway. We're going to give away another great prize from T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, and the University Mall. My SEC point spread predictions and more. That's Friday on the Gary Harris Show. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Looking for Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 88. Clear tonight, the low 64. Tomorrow is sunny day, the high 87. And for the weekend, we stay warm and dry, sunny Saturday and Sunday. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Mick Gillespie is our guest on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Mick, uh, I don't know where to pick it up because you could just single out so many individuals in this group team effort on defense, but... You know, the, a lot of criticism and, and noted as far as uh, the offense is con- concerned. But defensively, Alabama's been pretty darn solid all year. And the, they gave up 34 to Texas, but the offense helped them out a lot in that. So, that this could this be an 0-9-type uh, defense? Yeah, look, if, the, if they had done a better job of getting the play calls in, Texas wouldn't have scored 34. I'd love to see a rematch now. That you got, um, as Lane Kiffin called them, T. Rob, Mr. Various Robinson, uh, basically communicating the plays to the defense. So Nick Saban made an adjustment, um, and and I gotta tell Lane Kiffin thank you for the assist here. You know, you you always need a villain to bring everyone together, and he did such a wonderful job of that uh, with all the trolling last week. It's been a lot quieter playing against Mississippi State. Uh, a, a team that I would consider closer to a rival than Ole Miss, by the way. But, um, yeah, so I, I feel like that was a big part of it because how many times were they standing on the, you know, by the line of scrimmage looking back on what are we supposed to do here? And teams want to go fast, and they made an adjustment, and, and I think that Ole Miss's offense is as good as Texas, but uh, they weren't as good against Alabama on Saturday. And, I mean, like you talked about, like, Dallas Turner, you know, all the sacks and, and, and you know, like Nick Saban said, maybe more important is just disrupting the play. You know, you don't even get a stat for it. You're just back there forcing the quarterback to throw the ball. And when you have a secondary like Alabama and, and, a, and a Malachi Moore floating around in the middle, I mean, bad things are going to happen for an offense if you don't have time in the pocket with this defense and what they're able to do. Uh, Mick, I want to go back to uh, the quarterback situation. Just in total here, uh, how do you think Nick Saban has managed it? Uh, do you think it's been, think he's done sort of pushing the right buttons? Just your your assessment when you when you step back and kind of look at uh, you know all the way from game one uh, through Texas, through South Florida, and then Ole Miss. Well. 
I think that it's, this is going to be crazy now, probably the only person that's going to say this. I think that it's Jalen Milrow and Dylan Lauderdon. Then Ty Simpson and that, and that Tyler Booker probably ought to go somewhere else. Um, that's what I think with a wink. You know, you, you, the guys have had an opportunity to get out there. We know what they can do. Part of the job is being able to have poise under pressure. But there's an it factor with this job, too. And, you know, you look at Tom Brady, who's the best ever. I remember watching Tom Brady rip apart our offense in the uh, 2000 Orange Bowl when we had a 21-point lead and uh, and just watching him methodically move the ball down the field and, and, and just kind of have like a poison under pressure. You know, you got to have that. And I feel like the next guy is going to be Lauderdale. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But I thought that Nick Saban did what you have to do in a situation like this when you don't have a clear front runner. Uh, Milrow has – Milrow's not perfect. I mean, we know that. He, he they've, they've got a – basically make the offense around his skill set, which might be one read, two read, run. Uh, he doesn't need to be back there trying to read defense. Just just one, two, go. Run, run the ball. You know, have plays that are set up to go quick. You know, like like we always used to, like the, the wide receiver screen where the wide receivers would block and get the ball to, to the outside. It's almost like a running play, which uh, ironically, um, playing against Mississippi State and maybe the best ever, at, uh, you know, an option-style passing attack, right, was Mike Leach. But I feel like with his skill set and his ability to run and his athleticism and his likability, I think the guys like him a lot too, you know where his, where his weaknesses are. So don't put him in a position to, 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 to be in that spot where he's, you know, trying to read defenses. And then maybe as he progresses and gets more experience, you, you know, you gradually build the game plan around that because he's going to get better at it, but it's tough. It's a big jump from high school to college. But I'd say that Alabama handled the quarterback situation. I, I, I'm not complaining at all. Um, and I think that, um, that the future right now for Alabama, if something were to happen to Milrow, would be Lauderdale. Many of our Alabama-related guests are brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, Advantage Realty Group. Remember that, write it down, put it in your phone, whatever the case may be. Hey, um, what do you know about Mississippi State? You know, without Leach, you know, uh, with Leach, you always know what you're going to get. Um, a, a, a very pass-oriented offense and a defense that's about average. What are we getting out of the Bulldogs this year? Well, I'll start with this. Um, I know he wasn't Alabama's head coach, but I loved him. Loved him. Loved his personality, what he brought to the game, the genuineness. Uh, he didn't take himself so seriously. You know, sometimes I feel like we, we, these coaches become such celebrities that they forget that, hey, guess what? You're coaching a football team. You know, you're not splitting atoms. You're not getting a rocket in the space. You know, treat people the way that Mike Leach treats them. And if we, if everybody went to their job every day and treated the people around them like he did, we, I think we'd have a better world. Um, I even went down to Key West and went to Captain Tony in his honor. Probably do the same thing this year for Jimmy Buffett, an excuse to get down to uh, to the islands. But that's where he lived in the off season, and that's where he went. And they even had a chair and a beer out there for him. But they have absolutely, football-wise, uh, with Zach Arnett, changed their offense. They got rid of Mike Leach's 
air attack guys. They're going to a pro set. Uh, it's been a slow transition. I kept hearing rumblings that Mike Leach was actually thinking about retiring anyway. Um, and then obviously the tragic heart attack. I don't know that he was going to retire this year, but I think he was kind of like looking at saying, hey, you know, health-wise, there were some issues. And, and that, uh, you know, Arnett would be the guy that he felt like would take over. They felt like. They liked him. Uh, they got their, you know, they got run over by LSU and then played a pretty good game against South Carolina. They didn't win, but they started to move the ball on offense. You got a lot of guys back. I mean, Will, Will Rogers, who uh, has a ton of experience, hasn't had much success against Alabama, um, ironically, but they, uh, some receivers, they can run the ball. There's a, there's a lot of threats there. It's not like a normal Mississippi State team to me because State's always been kind of built on defense. But it's been, you know, Arnett, who was the defensive coordinator, and his defense that have not really showed up this year. The offense has actually been, you know, it was okay last week. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at right now. I, I'm a little, a little concerned about two things for Alabama. First off, they have to have – they have struggled on the road. And, and one of the reasons that they've struggled on the road is that they haven't started fast, which is something that Nick Saban kind of made his – his career on at Alabama, that in the fourth quarter, and they've struggled in the fourth quarter on the road. So they want to get back to joyless murder ball, as they say. Uh, I, we'll see if they're capable of doing that, but um, this is a good place for them to do it. And then the other thing is uh, I, I think Mississippi State is starting to figure out their offense. They did against South Carolina last week. They didn't win, but they, they scored some points. So, um, you know, we'll see if maybe they're doing stuff now with a, with a quarterback with a ton of experience that Alabama hasn't seen on film. But I, I think if Alabama does the things that they did in the second half against Ole Miss, we might see some joyless murder ball. Mick, really quick, uh, other than quarterback, what, what position group are you particularly interested in, in, in watching on Saturday and see how they perform? Well, I mean, I'm still I, I'm still looking at that, that defensive line. I, I want to see a pass rush. You know, um, I, I, Dallas Turner's been so good. Jaheim Otis, you know, when he's healthy, he gets, he gets a, you know, a push. Because I think that if they continue to get pressure on the quarterback, that this team's going to get better and better. And you talk about, like, the 09 defense, 92 defense, some of the best, 2011, wasn't that it? Yeah, the, well, 10, yeah, the 2011 team that beat LSU, uh, where they didn't get the ball past midfield. Those teams had great defenses, and uh, I think that's what Alabama's going to have to have to get to where we want them to get to this year, and that's to the college football playoff. And uh, I want them to beat Georgia and win it all. So the only way they're going to do that to me is defense first. Hey, Mick, tell everybody where they can listen and find you and read about you. Yeah, hey, on YouTube, uh, Bama Tailgate, that's my uh, YouTube channel. Got uh, shows on there every Friday night. We're on the radio around the state as you're driving in normally in the morning. And then um, if you're a baseball fan, the Cubs baseball channel on YouTube. And then I'm on Roll Tide. I'm everywhere on YouTube. Roll Tide pod with the Disrupt Media guy, Jake Coker and I. Twice a week, two shows. We got Ryan Anderson coming on with us uh, for today's show. So that's on YouTube as well. I'm a YouTube sensation. Well, I tried Yes, to. you are. Yes, you are. All right, Mick, have a great afternoon. And uh, we'll see you down the line for certain. Thank you, sir. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Thank you, Mick. All right.
What did he say a couple of weeks ago? If it's good for Nick, it's good for Mick. All right. Uh, hey, let's talk some Talladega. The president of the Talladega Super Speedway, Brian Crichton, will join us on the other side of this break. It's halftime on Big Noon Sports. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Woo! Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 809. Again, that's 809. The code is 809. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Great conversation with Mick Gillespie. The mixture was with us at the very end of last hour. It is the second hour of Big Noon Sports. And again, both are presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. We're going to talk some Talladega here in just a minute. But uh, Lars, I thought that, uh, first of all, I, I, real kudos for you keeping up with the Braves and what was going on last night. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that very much. Uh, and I, nobody ever asked you. How do you feel about what they did and, and breaking into an extra innings game as they did to present uh, Ronald Cunha Jr. with a base? I think it was inappropriate given the context. If it was a game in, uh, you know, July and, and uh, same, similar situation, then no problem. But this is a team fighting for its uh, playoff life, so to speak, and you just you, you can't do that because it just uh, it, it changes the dynamic of of the game. It changes the rhythm of it, and uh, you know it. it, it I, I frankly I, I I'm with the Cubs broadcasting team, and I know that they got lit up by Atlanta fans on social media. But I really think that uh, it was not the right thing to do. Just wait till after the game. Second base isn't going anywhere, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. People are trying to steal them all the time. Oh, God. I can't believe that was so lame. Um, I, I agree with you guys. I, I, and I'm, do you know a bigger Braves fan than me? I do uh, not. <laughs> yeah. I love him, and I love Acuna Jr. When he first came up, he was a little salt, a little saucy. Uh, but uh, he's one you you can't name him and other players without saying they're the best in the game right now. All right, um, let's take let's take our next guest, Brian Crichton, president of the Talladega Super Speedway, who has uh, managed to find a couple of minutes for us because I imagine you're not busy at all right now, Brian. It's just two days before race weekend, and uh, Sunday you got the Yellowwood 500. So how's your day? You know, my alarm clock just just went off at one o'clock, so I just uh, climbed out of bed. So uh, just looking at the racetrack and seeing what's going on now. Hey, um, every year y'all do something with the facility, or you do something with seating, or you do something with special ticket prices. What do you have going on for this weekend, or what have you changed? 
Well, we, we brought back the rodeo. So the rodeo is uh, quickly becoming a fall tradition here at Talladega Super Speedway. So uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, we've got the uh, Buckendega uh, Bronco uh, ride. It's uh, happening inside of our infield, so it's going to be a big show. Uh, we've got Hardy coming in on a Saturday night, so our traditional infield concert is uh, Hardy this go-around. Uh, Club 212 is a, a new offering that we had. We actually had that uh, new for this fall, too. So and that's the old press box uh, that we converted into a, uh, a, a club right in the middle of the trioval. Uh, and just lots of different activities going on. The, the display area continues to grow. We've got about 30 partners. NASCAR Experience is back out there. We have a kid zone out there. Uh, Talladega Garage Experience. We continue to add more, uh, you know, activities and driver meet and greets in there. And, and so it's just uh, we're always building out here at Talladega. Brian, what kind of a crowd are you expecting for the race? Big. Ever since uh, we, you know we got through COVID, every single race we've seen growth. So we've already sold out of our infield of all 2,700 RV spots. Uh, ticket sales are, are trending higher than they did last fall and also higher than they did this past April. Uh, Talladega Garage Experience is the same way. Every single suite that we have in this place is sold out for both Saturday and Sunday uh, as well. Outside camping is up. I've been amazed at the, uh, you know, we, had, we loaded our infield yesterday, the amount of camp that we had pre-stage just, uh, you know, waiting to get into the infield. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. Uh, you know, the weather is spot on. I like to say it's, uh, you know, great racing weather during the day and great campfire weather at night. So sitting around that campfire with friends, uh, it's going to be a huge weekend and uh, excitement in NASCAR and just as the, uh, you know, each event's continuing to grow. So we're excited. Brian Crichton, president of Talladega Super Speedway, is our guest on Big Noon Sports. Brian, how much camping ground do you have? So total acres we have out here is about 2,700 total acres. Uh, to give you an idea, the infield, as I mentioned earlier, we have about 2,700 you know, lined out reserved RV spaces. We also have two areas for camping. That, our infield is so large, you can fit all SEC football stadiums into our infield. So we actually have a graphic that shows every single football stadium in our infield. We actually have space, too. So next year, when they add two more, we can get those two in our infield as well. So it just gives you an idea of how big this facility is. It's absolutely incredible, um, having been there a few times myself. Do you like the positioning that uh, the track is now and as far as the points championship is concerned? It's been that way a couple of years love, now. Yeah, I, I love being a part of the second round. You know, we still have 12 drivers uh, that are rolling into Talladega. You know, right now only one is uh, maybe rolling in with a little bit of uh, confidence or, uh, you know, a little bit of swagger, you know, after uh, winning the race last weekend. Uh, so he, you know, knows he's on to the next round. But, you know, those other 11 drivers, they're all, uh, you know, you punch your, you, you win here, you punch your ticket, you know, to the next round. And so, as everybody knows, it's kind of that wild card race. And so anybody can win. Uh, so I think everybody's going to be positioning themselves to try to get up front. You know, you, you know, you can be in the front, you can be in the middle, you can sometimes even be in the back, but you just don't want to be caught in the big one um but you know it's it's uh i i love the spot that we're in just because of the excitement and you know that kind of ramps up uh, and then having the roval right after us too that's kind of a wild card as well and so i think that makes talladega even that much more important and the you know the the excitement ramps up that much more 
Brian, for uh, those listeners who aren't as familiar with NASCAR as, as we are, um, can you just give a, just a brief overview of, of the playoffs so far and, and kind of, you know, who who has really showed some dominance and, and who needs a really good outing this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. So the playoffs, so we, we have two different playoff races this weekend. We got the uh, Craftsman Truck Series uh, on Saturday, and they have eight drivers that are in their playoff rounds and then the uh, cup series on sunday they still have 12 so they're rolling in with with 12 uh drivers that are still uh eligible for you know moving on now you know of course william byron won last weekend at texas and so he's automatically into the round of eight uh which starts in uh, two weeks from now um and, and you know there's others that are strong you know martin truex jr with uh you know the points that he was able to collect all through the season um you know he's been able to to move into this round and you know, he, he needs good outings this weekend and then, uh, you know, the Roval as well to be able to move on, but he's kind of banked up some of those points, which is good for him. Um, you know, one of those drivers that I think has got a shot here and, uh, you know, has got to do really well to move on to the next round is going to be Ryan Blaney. You know, Ryan Blaney is, um, you know, has kind of gone a little bit uh, quiet uh, since his win, uh, kind of in the middle of the season, um, but he's always run good at the super speedways. You know, Ford has run strong at the super speedways as well. So, you know, Joey Logano, his teammate, unfortunately didn't make it into this round, um, but I see that, you know, maybe Joey's going to help him a little bit, help Ryan a little bit, try to get up there and try to punch his ticket to the next round because I really think Ryan's going to need to, you know, win one of the next two races to to continue to move on yeah they do very well at talladega um before we let you go tell how tell folks how they can get tickets to the weekend yeah, my, my favorite thing is going to our website, which is talladegasuperspeedway.com. Gives you all the different information that you need. Schedules about the rodeo, about Hardy, uh, you know, the display, when gates open. But then also how to buy tickets, and it's a real easy ter- uh, ticket purchase process. Um, it has information about camping as well. Um, so, I, you know, go to talladegasuperspeedway.com. Or if you'd like to talk to a representative, we have them standing by at 877-GO-2, and that's the number two Dega 877 go to Dega looking forward to the weekend I'll probably see you in a couple hours thanks Brian hey you guys shake and bake <laughs> nice hey uh before we break John or uh, Justin do you want to play that clip real quick from Nick Saban being on the Pat McAfee show today just a few minutes ago I'm gonna need like two minutes for that okay we can no problem back to it Okay. Well, on the other side, we're going to talk to Rick Carley, TV legend here in Alabama. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Uh, (laughs) Laura Lee Um, knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker 
who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 88. Clear tonight, the low 64. Tomorrow is sunny day, the high 87. And for the weekend, we stay warm and dry, sunny Saturday and Sunday. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Oh, you just heard James Spann, the weatherman. 77 degrees just a day or so ago. We were touching 90. Now, I mean, now it is just like a, it's like San Diego. All right. Our next guest is the one and only Rick Carley, a longtime sportscaster. Now he is a news anchor in the mornings for NBC 13. We appreciate him joining us to talk sports and all. Ricky, it's Matt and Lars. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Good. Uh, good, 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 good. You know, uh, you wouldn't recognize Channel 13 from when you worked there, Matt. You know, they've redone the whole thing. So it's really yes. cool. So, uh, I yeah, I was just pictures. getting in my car thinking, yeah, Coulter used to work up here. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I had... Uh... Like 12 years up there. I enjoyed it very, very Did you much. you really? Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was there before you got here. In fact, Ricky, we oh, met okay. at wow. Daytona. We met at Daytona when you were at Jackson. Oh, did we? Okay. I think so. Because we were oh, all wow. and using satellite. Well, the yeah. one satellite truck in the world. We all used uh-huh. it. You remember that? Sure. Yeah. Matt, Matt cool. I'm guessing you didn't do the 4 to 7 news in the morning. <laughs> no, Matt, but I did see, more Matt, than Matt was for a, twenty years. <laughs> yeah, radio. Yeah, but see, me. Matt was a, Matt was smart. So, uh, how how when did you have to get up for a radio show? About four, five? Or? Yeah, four thirty, something like that. Yeah, I always okay, try to get there an hour before airtime, but not like you. Sure, what do you yeah. get up? Two fifteen? Is that what you said? Two fifteen. I look at my phone till two thirty. Take a shower, shave. <laughs> I grab a cup of tea. I'm out the door at three. I get to the station at three fifteen. I do. Uh, about four radio stations real quick with news reports, uh, dab on some makeup at 10 of four and do three hours. And it's really weird because, you know, for 39 years, it's the opposite. As a sports guy, you go in and you're writing scripts and editing and running around and you're doing, the, you know, the, the, the stuff on TV is the last thing you do. And now it's it's kind of the first thing you do. So, but it's good. Those guys are awesome at, at 13. And they got, they got everything. It's like, Mr. Carla, here's your scripts. I mean, it, it's, it's like, like big time. I mean, so it's, uh, yeah, it's really good. Had a good time over there. For sure. This might be a really naive question, but you get more eyeballs on you when you do mornings, right, as opposed to evenings. Well, you know, I don't know. Matt can probably chip in on this. I think that over the years, you know, down through the years, the evening news is always, you know, your top anchors or the six and the eleven Eastern time or the the five, six, and ten. But now, because maybe it's because of a morning guy, I think. Um, the morning shows have become possibly more important in some markets and certainly on par with the evening shows because it's, I really think a lot of people, you can argue the more people are watching in the morning as they get ready for work. So, uh, you know, people are coming home, they're looking at their phones, they're looking at Netflix or watching Yellowstone or something. So uh, <laughs> it just depends on, on what market you're in, I think. 
it's become profitable. That's why everybody's doing morning news and morning shows and morning talk shows. Right. And this and that and this yeah. and that because they can sell it. And right. especially, uh, not to bring up your competition, but I, I went to see uh, Rob Martin at 42 a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And I was amazed at how much is focused on digital. Y'all are the same oh. way too, aren't you? That's unreal. You know, 10, 20 years ago, it was all TV. You know, I do yeah. my... Five, six, and ten, and then we did five, six, nine. I did like four sports guests tonight on Fox Six for like thirty years, and then digital comes, and now it's like I say my work is probably it could be sixty, forty digital. I mean, they want you, you know, they want you on Facebook, on the web, on Instagram, on you know, uh, uh, just everything, and on Twitter, and you know, uh, yeah, it's a whole different ball game. So I've you, had to, you know, a lot of people, you've had to reinvent yourself a little bit on how uh, you do things for sure. Rick, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I wanted to bring it up. I, I think you and James Spann absolutely do social and digital <laughs> better than anyone else in this state. What, let's pretend you're talking to my class. What What tips would you give people about how to, sort of uh, maximize and grow your audience on, on social. Yeah. Well, I'm being an older guy. I'm 65 now, so I'm not a spring chicken. So, you know, Facebook is still tenfold more important in the news business than um, uh, TikTok or, or Twitter or Instagram. And on the young people, they don't even know what Facebook is. You know, that's what old people use. But as far as penetration, as far as getting numbers, Facebook is the king. So I've concentrated on Facebook, and I would tell your kids, look, if, if whatever you're on, a Twitter, whatever, and especially in this day and age, it's just a lot about look at me, look at me, look at I'm a, you know the, the hot looking news anchor, or I'm the guy, and, and it's all about what I do on Facebook and social. I write about other people because, quite frankly, nobody wants to know about me. Now I wrote about that, and I wrote about my dog yesterday. I think I wrote about my, my son this morning because it's National Sun's Day. But usually I write about other people. I, you know, I talked to uh, Jalen Milrose's dad this morning, Quint, about his, you know, the, the servant's heart of his son. And I wrote about Jalen and, and how, you know, his kindness and his compassion that he showed when he wasn't playing against South Florida could have parlayed it into a starting bit again for him. So, you know, I think that a span is like that, too. You know, he'll go to a, a classroom and, and throw, you know, show, show birthday parties. Not a lot about James. You know, once a month he might get on his horse and, and say something. Um, but um, that's my key for your kids. And then learn how to do everything. Learn how to post video. Learn how to write learn how to write well, and then um, just be yourself. And uh, just, you know, just like I tell my kids, you know, my, my, my son's 25, my daughter's 22. She just moved to L.A. She's trying to chase the dream in film production. She's uh, in Beverly Hills now. My, my son's in the Peace Corps halfway around the world. And I tell them just, you know, it, it's not so much about you, man. It's about other people. So that's what I tell your kids, I think. Excellent. Wow. What great advice. I took yeah. notes, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Span, you know, Span is real good at that. Now, Span, you know, Span is also, I kind of, he's not the Walmart, but with by Wal the Walmart of posters, I mean that he has everything. You know, Walmart, you can get a quart of milk and a fishing pole. You know what I mean? And he, it's, with Span, you know, he'll post everything, a sunset from Nebraska. And then he'll have a birthday cake from Coleman. And then he'll post something from Canada. And, I mean, he's really gone world. He's about to hit one million followers on Facebook. And he's probably the number one social media guy in America. Now, that said, I'm at about 
300,000 and I think my reach last month was like 18 million and and wow. that that's really that's yeah, really one of the top. That. Yeah. You got to yeah. monetize well, that now, Ricky. You know, yeah, I, I, I can't while well, I'm working. Maybe when I'm old and gray and retiring. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, J- James, it, the, the crazies will come out, right? And uh, James well, will post a rainbow and you'll get criticized for it. I love it when James gets fired up and goes after people. He does, people. though. Yeah, but, or he'll post, a, he'll post a nasty post and he'll say, well, thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah he's, he's really funny. Yeah. So, no, um, uh, yeah, that's what we've done. I, I think we've both written about other people and um you know i think you've got a couple not to toot my own but you got a couple local um anchors here in this market are among the top in the nation which is which is pretty impressive for birmingham alabama james is a big instagram guy i think he is yeah he does everything everything i think he sets up yeah he's in everything he has a a thing on he's got like tweet that set up so if he gets a sunset from texas he just boom hits a button and they go to all four things. Where me, I'm I'm less. You know, he'll post between forty and seventy posts on Facebook a day, or I'll post like six or seven. So I'll get a lot more per post. You know, but he'll get he'll get like I say the Walmart. He blankets you know the country so well. But boy, he's man, he's good at what he does for sure. Yeah, darn good fella too. We've uh, both known mm. for. Uh, for quite a long time. So is Lars. Lars is working with him on a couple of projects as well. Uh, okay. Uh, we'll put TV and social media aside. Let's talk a little college football. Just give me Rick Carley's view on what happened in the second half of Bryant-Denny Stadium last Saturday afternoon. Well, you know, I think Alabama football was back. And, and you know, it's the old Bear Bryant, Nick Saban, we know Smash Mouth football. And, and they, they've kind of returned. And, you know, am I right in saying they had like nine negative plays in the first half? I mean, it was like the Keystone Cops. And and you know, and I know if you're, you're a Bama fan, you're sitting on your hands, you're thinking, run the ball, show some, you know, come on, where's the offensive line? And so I think they returned to that. I bet you they went in the locker room. Coach Saban said, look at Tommy. We're just better physically. We got all these fives. We're a better football team. Let's just blow them out. And they did. And, uh, you know, I think the defense looked pretty good. And like I wrote on Facebook last Saturday, you know, the the the, the player that Bama's probably most grateful to have over the past 20 years is Will Reichert. You know, they don't, they don't want to let him go. But, but yeah, I think they just returned to, to more fundamental uh, football because uh, certainly – even as a uh, so-called uh, unbiased uh, sportscaster, it was kind of frustrating to watch, for sure. Um, so, Rick, uh, you're like me in that not in the room every day covering Alabama football and, and going to the, the press conferences, but um, we have been observing Nick Saban you know, very closely for a long time. What did, what is your takeaway from just what you're seeing from Coach Saban? Do you think, you know, he's still got a couple more years? Uh, it, you know, it, 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 it's like he had uh, he was unusually warm, like in the first like during camp and uh, maybe the first week or so, two weeks of the season. And now, just this last week, there seems to be a little bit of an edge to him and an edge to his voice, and and it's like uh, okay. It's it's go time for Nick Saban. 
Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I saw on Twitter somebody posted uh, after the game said, "I want the cranky Nick Saban back." And that's, yeah. that's kind of the feeling of a lot of Bama fans. Look, I think being a grandfather has softened him a little bit. I mean, he's shown his kind heart a little bit. You know, he's always had a kind heart. It's just he's just been you know it's been hard to get to. But at times, you know, you get him in that football arena. And he's a, a he's a very tough guy, but you you get the you get the grand uh, ch- children now, granddaughter and grandson, and you know he actually took some time to take a trip to Europe, and um, and I think Miss Terry very much is probably telling him, look at, you know you got to settle down, you're gonna you're gonna keel over here. So he has done that, but I think on the football field, we were talking to somebody in the newsroom the other day, a big Bama guy. He said, I don't know if Saban's about to go. I, I think I've had. I said, geez, you lose one game, you're ready to jump off the cliff, you know. But uh, I said, who are you going to get? I said, you're going to get to... Uh you're going to get uh, Lane, Lane Kiffin all of a sudden suddenly doesn't seem like the guy. I mean, Dabo Sweeney suddenly doesn't seem like the guy. And I love Dabo. I've known him for 30 years. But, you know, who's who's better in America than right now at, than the coach or football team than Nick Saban? I don't think there's anybody. I mean, who's better than Nick Saban? So I think that, yeah. uh, you know, how many times, how many years does he have? Uh, he leaves when he wants to, but you got to trust him when he says that when, when he, he will know it's time when he doesn't have the passion or he feels he's very good program. And uh, hopefully for Bama fans, that'll be many years from now. Hey, Ricky, can you hang on through the break? Yeah, my my uh, cell phone's about to die. So if I, I die, I apologize to all your listeners. I'm just a, I'm just a clue. I'll, br- I'll blame it on my old... Uh, iPhone 13. No, you know, it, it, was, it was my fault, too. Uh, we had, I, I didn't, I wasn't clear in my communication over text, so I apologize. I know, I'm, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> I feel I feel really bad. Well, I'll tell you, the TV room I'm sitting in with this big white couch is pretty sweet. That's all I'm saying. So. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, I know where you are now. All right. Yeah, uh, we'll be back yeah. Before. No, I'm right here. All right, we'll be back with more Rick Carley in a second. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Eddie's Hansing Union Home Mortgage. And remember, this hour's code, go to the app, Tide 100.9 is 809. Built to win. Ball game, Alabama wins. Built for championships. Heading for the pylon. By Bama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide head to Starkville to battle Mississippi State. Our coverage begins at 5 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner too. Hi. From T Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Well, you know, first of all, you know, what I said in the beginning, we have to build on the fact that we have to get better execution on a more consistent basis. And this team is a pressure team on defense. They're pressuring all the time. They blitz all the time. They've got a lot of different looks. They do a lot of different things. So execution becomes even more important. Uh, because they're going to try to give you bad plays. You've got to minimize that, and then you've got to take advantage of explosive plays when you get the opportunity to do it. And this team really, to me, is better than all the teams that we played so far except Texas in terms of 
the caliber of players, how they play, how tough they are, how physical they play. Uh, we're playing an SEC game on the road and a tough place to play. So this is not anything that requires any kind of a mental letdown. This is a build on the second half of what we did last week and understand why we did it and be able to continue to do it and not get frustrated in this game because of what might happen because they're going to create some plays, but we can't get frustrated. We got to keep playing the next play. We got to play for 60 minutes and that's what it's going to take in this game because they're a physical team. They're a good team. I mean, South Carolina game, they turned the ball over a couple times down the red zone or that's a different game. So this is a good team. You're going to have cowbells at practice all week? Is that what what we've been doing? Noise is noise. You know, we can't manufacture cowbells, but we can't make noise. (laughs) Uh, That's Nick Saban on the Pat McAfee show, which he has agreed to do. Hey, guys, how how much money do you think they're paying him? You mean coach or or McAfee? Oh, yeah. McAfee's yeah, making McAfee. $35 million, but, uh Oh, my Lord. That's crazy. But uh, I would imagine crazy. he's getting some kind of stipend to do that every week. Of course, uh, I questioned it at first, and I said, Matt, who does Pat McAfee appeal to? Young people. End of story. His show is really good. It's really good. And and uh, it, it's, it's interesting, though, uh, Rick, that they cuss. You you can every cuss word under the sun is uh, is there on ESPN on his show. Um, what do you think about his show? You know, I think it's good. I think it. You know, you get what you get. You know, when, when you're going in. I mean, his energy level is incredible. I mean, I, I think he has good guests. He, he doesn't shy away from asking tough questions. You know, he asked a coach about Milrose benching and all that to last week, I think it was. And, you know, I like him. I'm still kind of getting used to him on, on the game day, though. You know, I, I thought Paul, I think, you know, Pollock's a great guy. And I love that chemistry and the professionalism that Reese Davis brought. And not that Pat is not professional, but it's, it's just different. But you're right. I mean, you guys nailed it. They're, you know, they're gunning for the younger people and, you know, who watches college football, young people. So, uh, that, you know, it's not brain surgery when it comes to uh, being a TV executive. You you follow the money and the demos, and you uh, put the, the, the talent on set that appeals to younger folks. I just feel like he's a little bit on the crude side, but then again, I throw kids out of my front yard. So, hey. <laughs> uh, hey, Ricky, before we let you go, give us a comment or two on Auburn, and I have a feeling that we're not seeing Auburn as they will be in a year or two under Hugh Freeze. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got some recruiting to do. He's got, you know, the big thing about them has been, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, is, is one of the knocks is player development. You know, they would get these players in, three stars, four stars, a couple five stars, and they didn't develop them as well as perhaps they should have, and I think Freeze is very much into that. And um, I'm not saying he's in Coach Saban's head at all, but, but he knows that he can beat Coach Saban, and so do the Auburn folks too. You know, I... I I got a real different feel for a game a couple of weeks ago. The place was sold out early in the season. I like what he's doing with the two quarterbacks, you know, with Thorne and Robbie Ashford. And, you know, and quite frankly, I, I told someone, yeah, I wonder why, again, I'm not the coach at Alabama, but I wonder why, if Coach Saban would ever consider doing a, you know, a Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow package, like a Thorne and Ashford. And just two completely different looks, bring them in. And, but anyway, but I like what's happening at Auburn. I like the, the feel of it. I think there's a, a new kind of attitude down there and uh yeah i think they're ready to go but you know, like you said man you got to give them a couple years i think before they uh 
uh, you know, are competing for one, two in the in the SEC West. Uh, Rick, I got to ask you about Taylor Swift and the Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift effect. Uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, now I'm sure you've been following this, right? That uh, they're they're, they're, uh, allegedly dating. I mean, I guess there could be Mm -hmm. this conspiracy thing that this whole thing is a a charade to increase uh, Travis Kelsey's uh, (laughs) brand, but it's off Mm -hmm. the charts. He's, he's gained like 450, 500,000 followers on social. Jeez. And I, I really think I really think that this Kansas City Jets game on Sunday night, even though it's a dud of a game, will be mm-hmm. the highest rated NFL game in a long time because you're going to have millions and millions of Swifties tuning in. Mm-hmm. And I was at a uh, I was at a, 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 a softball practice, my kids, my girls softball practice the other day. And it was a huge Taylor Swift fan came up to me and, you know, she knows that I'm in the sports world. She's like, do you think uh, Taylor Swift is going to show up to watch uh, Kelsey at the Mets game? <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Sounds like my wife. <laughs> my wife my wife will sit down five minutes before the Super Bowl and say, no, who's playing? But look, yeah, this thing is certainly, this, this is, and I commented on the news, we had a promo, you know, the game's on the Channel 15 this weekend. And um, they had the NBC put up the big graphic, and they did it on the Today Show. And they, they had the two star players, and then, they, you know, see them, Chiefs, Jets. Well, they didn't have a picture of, uh, of, uh, of Mahomes. They had a picture of Kelsey. And I mean, when you're when you're putting Kelsey up there instead of the NFL's MVP to promote the game, I mean, they, they, there's some smart executives at the network, you know, because they know they're riding it. This is a hilarious story about Taylor Swift. So, yeah, you know, I couldn't name one song she sings. I don't. I mean, she's just uh, fantastic. Oh, by the way, real quick story about remind me about the Dollar Bill Lawson, Matt. Before I leave you on Taylor Swift, but um, my wife and my takes my daughter a couple years ago to a Taylor Swift concert at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. So I'm this. This one, well, I was at Channel 6, and I'm writing scripts for my late show. It was like a Friday night before sideline order. And my te- my phone dings, and um, my, it's my wife saying, OMG, Mick Jagger. Well, you know, Taylor Swift brings out a, a major player in the middle of each concert. So she paraded out Mick Jagger. So my, my daughter's going, now, Mom, who's this guy? You know, Mick Jagger, you know, <laughs> he's screaming for Taylor. And my wife is having a bit like, oh, my God, I'm looking at Mick Jagger. So uh, so anyway, she puts on a great show. OK, back to a uh, dollar bill real quick. You know, he just retired uh, WZZK, longtime, you know, country disc jockey, great guy. But Hall he said when he was, yeah, Hall of Famer, I don't know if it was, I think it was at ZZK years ago. Um, he used to have some people come into the studio with just whatever, nice guy. And, and this young girl came in with her uh, uh, acoustic guitar and her mom and said, hey, do you mind if I sit in the studio and play a couple songs for you? He said, yeah, whatever, kid. She was like, you know, 13. And, you know, they played. And, she, you know, he said, oh, she sounded pretty good. She was cute. And she didn't bowl him over. And, and she said, very nice. I said, well, we're going to keep traveling the country and just visiting radio stations. And that girl was uh, Taylor Swift in Birmingham. Wow. Yeah, kind of talking so her way into radio. Dollar Bill is responsible for her fame and fortune. Right, exactly. That's that's my okay. point. Dollar Bill, if it wasn't for him, you know, Taylor wouldn't be who she is, and she wouldn't be allegedly dating Travis Kelsey. So there you go. And, and Matt, what, Matt, what's your favorite fact about Taylor Swift? She was named after James Taylor. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. How about that? Yeah, uh, I did that's not pretty didn't cool. know that. Yeah, who uh, was married to Carly Simon for uh, many, many years. 
And and <laughs> what did Carly Simon's father do? Um, I give up. The, he's the Simon of Simon and Schuster. Uh, wow. And he's so and, he, and you know what? And, si- hey, and Simon and Schuster has published one of my books. So there you go. Really? Four four it's degrees. Right. I'm four to yeah. four degrees to Taylor Swift. Five degrees? <laughs> you got back to the Taylor Swift. <laughs> I lost count at Carly Simon. I don't know. Hey Ricky, oh let's God. do this again real soon. We don't do it enough. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah. Okay, guys. I'm gonna go charge my phone. I appreciate you guys. Say hi to your hey. wife. I'll see you at Publix, Matt. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, Thank you, Rick. Yeah. Ricky. Rick and my wife have become rather close. Uh, I mean, as a friendship. That's all right. He, uh, Rick, Rick is awesome. I love Rick. Yeah, he's he, he's a very good man, and uh, what he said about passing along to others, he meant every word of it. He has helped us at my family out quite a bit over uh, some of the mountains we've climbed over the last few years. So thanks to Rick Carley coming up. Uh, we kind of kind of go opposite ends of the spectrum. Not really, but Reagan's coming up, and Reagan will blow you away too. We're going to do some college football picks so Matt can go 500 again. Back in a minute. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Friday. We'll look at the Ryder Cup, which will start early Friday morning. Also, Sonny Smith will join us at 8.15. We'll also talk about Dad's Blue Plate Special. Get you ready for the weekend as Alabama takes on Mississippi State at 8 p.m. in Starkville. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 88. Clear tonight, the low 64. Tomorrow is sunny day, the high 87. And for the weekend, we stay warm and dry, sunny Saturday and Sunday. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, it is Thursday afternoon on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. And this time of the week is when we bring in Reagan from R&R Cigars, the cigar mansion right there on 6th in downtown Tuscaloosa. Reagan, how are you, man? It was good to see you Saturday night. You came by walk-ons, and we visited for a very brief amount of time, but good to see you and your dad nonetheless. Yeah, man, it was, uh, it was, it was a fun time. All, All right, ours, you got here, we here we go. Here we go. Well, I, I, I got to say, uh, last week we all had a good week. Uh, yours truly went 4-0 again. So I'm I'm I've I've hit my last eight picks, which I've never done. And Reagan, you know what? I then I make the picks, and then I overthink it, and I don't gamble with what I actually pick. Oh, all right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was four and zero. Reagan, you were three and one. Matt, three and one for the season. Uh, I'm in the lead here at twelve and four. Matt's ten and six. Reagan nine and seven. Uh, okay, so let's roll. Let's start with LSU at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is getting two and a half points. So LSU is a, a two and a half point favorite on the road. Let's start with Reagan. 
I like LSU. Uh, I think they win outright. Very rarely do you ever win by by less than three points uh, when you're the better team. Uh, I don't know. LSU's Kelly's given has given Pete Golding fit for years, and uh, you know, um, I think it's a letdown game for Ole Miss. You know, coming after lost last weekend they got to go play LSU I don't know I, I I just I think all the signs are there for an LSU win and uh I'll take LSU in the point you know I got to go LSU here too I'm not so sure that uh Nick didn't break lane last Saturday afternoon um and it certainly exposed a lot of their weaknesses so what was the margin again what's the spread Ole Miss is getting two and a half I'm, I'm taking LSU all the way. All right, I'm going Ole Miss. Uh, I just to be a contrarian, um, but no, I, you know, actually, I think Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss. Is, this is going to be a really close game. You got to remember, LSU did not look like world beaters last week against Arkansas. Um, all right, Are let's picking on my little piggies. <laughs> yes, because of the competition. Let's go uh, USC traveling to Colorado. Colorado, a home dog. They are getting 21 and a half points. Reagan. Yeah, this one could be 35. Um, I, <laughs> you know, they're talking about, oh, the, co- the coaching fraternity is trying to stop Dion. Like, buddy, you couldn't stop a run up the middle for seven yards a carry. Like, no, but there's no secret out there. Like, they were running it up the gut and gutting your team. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I think that it's just an embarrassingly bad beat for Colorado this weekend. I mean, Oregon could have hung 80 on them, and if they had it, been running it up the middle 40 times that game. Uh I'm not sure Lincoln Riley won't, um, you know, and Caleb Williams has a Heisman to prove uh, and to win. I think this one's ugly. Uh, I don't give I don't give Colorado much of a chance. Uh, hopefully, they learned their lesson about talking trash before the game. Silo Sanders out there saying that he was gonna, you know, beat the out of out of those guys and then he's the one that ends up in the hospital and you know that's most bullies that's how it ends up happening but um you know go back get off the Dion train it's coming off the tracks this week Caleb Williams and USC are just better and right now I'm not dissing Dion please don't blow me up on social media but Lincoln Lincoln Riley's a better coach too I mean he's more established so it's all on all fronts. Plus, you want to dazzle with Williams, get him a few Heisman votes. This is a good game to do it. So I'm all in on on USC. I'm all in on Colorado. Hate to say it. You, have you guys seen USC play defense? Because they haven't I yet watch, so far. <laughs> Colorado's going to score points. And I, I think USC is going to win this game, but I don't think they're going to win it by more than uh, – there's a reason it's 21.5. I wouldn't be surprised if USC wins by 21, but uh, I'm, I'm going Colorado. I'm, I'm taking those points. Um, Reagan, Bama at Mississippi State. 
Bama started the week, I believe, at a 15.5 favorite. It's dropped to 14.5. You know, I know a lot of former Bama players uh, hang at the mansion, and you talk to them. And uh, what, what are what are your thoughts? And, and what are what are Alabama players or just people close to the program that you talk to? What, what are they saying about this Alabama team? Well, I mean, I think I think absolutely Alabama. I'll take Alabama and give the point. Uh, what was I, I saw a stat the other day? It was like something like Alabama hadn't allowed hadn't allowed uh, more than ten points to Mississippi State since like 2017. Um, I think that continues this week. Um, you know, I, I I don't think it matters who plays quarterback. I'm I still want Dylan Lonergan. Uh, to play the quarterback position. I'd really like to see him pitch uh, today at the scrimmage if he's not going to play quarterback this weekend. But uh, Alabama baseball has their scrimmage today, which after this show, I will be heading over there. Go watch that. Um, But I think that um, I think that I I really do think Alabama wins. I don't think it's close. Um, I think that I think Simpson probably gets to play some in the fourth quarter, maybe second half, not because Milrow played bad, but because Alabama had a good lead. Um, I liked what I saw out of the offense more uh, last week. Um, They're really close. Uh, They're really close. They really are uh, on offense. Um, It's still just a couple – just dumb penalties and some bad decision-making. But I think the offense is a lot closer to what they will be by the end of the season than they were versus Texas. So I like Alabama. I'm Matt, real quick. Alabama too, I'm taking. I'm taking. I'm taking Bama. All right, real quick. Kansas City at Jets. I want to talk to just. Sorry, I do this every week. I want to talk to Reagan about Taylor Swift, but I don't have time. All right, Kansas City at Jets. Uh, Kansas City nine and a half point favorite on Sunday night. Reagan. It's gonna go as ugly for the Jets as it will when Taylor Swift and. Kelsey breakup. It's going to be ugly either way. It's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, Like, they might have to cancel the NFL when Taylor (laughs) Swift and Kelsey break up. That's going to be how ugly it'll be. I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking KC. Matt, who, I'm yeah, all three of all three of us taking KC. Hey Reagan, thanks. We'll see you at the we'll see you at the mansion soon. All right. All right. See y'all. All right. Appreciate it. R&R Cigar, the Cigar Mansion on Sticks, downtown Tuscaloosa. Drop by there and have a stick and uh, a glass of bourbon. Lars, we'll do it again tomorrow. How's that? From Ennis Free. Look forward to it.